Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the Ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, we're continuing in our series called Essentials. What we're looking at is four keys that will help us grow in our faith, or four keys to a growing faith today. So wherever you are in your walk today, I want you to know God has more for you. God has more for you in your relationship with him and the impact he has for your life, no matter where you are, whether you've been saved for two minutes or you're not saved today or you've been saved for 80 years. It doesn't matter. God has more for you. You are on a spiritual journey. You might say, well, Jason, I don't know if I'm on a spiritual journey or not. I, I, you know, I'm, I, actually, you are on a spiritual journey because when you were born, God placed in you his spirit. He put a spirit in you, just like these babies we had this morning. These, God put a spirit in you from the moment you were born to have a relationship with him and to go on a spiritual journey. And we're, we're always going to be looking for answers. But many believers who are on this journey, they don't know where they are. And the purpose of the series is, one, to help us identify where are we on our spiritual journey. And if you don't know where you are, you don't know what next step I need to take to continue to grow And so this series is to help shape us as you as an individual, but also for us as a church, and identify where we are and where you are and how do we keep moving. Everyone say, keep moving. It's important we keep moving. And we talked about on week one that over 3,000 years ago, God laid out some promises for his people. And these promises continued to weave four of them all through Scripture. You can find them in the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And they keep coming up over and over and over again. They're four promises given by God that every single person can experience in their life. And so we're going to be looking at those, and that's what the purpose of this series is to help us identify and see them, and they're available to every person. Well, the first, first place they come up is in Exodus chapter 6. And I just wanted to walk through this. The first one, and, and listen, the Israelites were, were in, um, in, not in prison, they were in slavery, and they were, they were enslaved by the Egyptians. A yoke of bondage had been put on them. They were no longer their people. They belonged to somebody else. And God began to lay out the promise. And he told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to tell my people, I'm going to do four things for them. And the first one is going to be this. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. For all of us, this is our salvation. God is going to bring us out from the yoke of slavery because nothing else matters. You can try to fix your life, you can try to find freedom and try to discover your purpose, but none of that matters until you first get saved and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You must know God. And that's the whole idea here is to understand, to bring you out. Second one is this, I will free you. You tell them, Moses, I'm going to free them from being slaves. And now listen, not a slave, but free them from the slavery that's in their heart. In other words, there are things in their life that they're, they're dealing with, and God says, I'm going to free them from all the pain, all the struggle, all the brokenness, all the disappointment they had in Egypt. After they come out, I'm also going to free them from the slavery that's still in their hearts. And this is the one we're talking about today. He also said, I will redeem you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and a mighty axe of judgment. And this, this is a real special one to me 
but I'll talk about it in just a moment. And then he says this, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. As he continued to speak to them, he laid out that what he was going to do with them. He was going to transform the world. He was going to do things in them and through them as a people group. In other words, he was going to help them make a difference. And so you have your four blanks right there. And the first one, as we lay this out, is this. First promise is that you would know God. And you can write that down. This stands alone. Without this one, you'll never receive any of the other promises to know God. Second one is to find freedom. Last week, Pastor um, Blake shared about this one. This is where you begin to work out your issues. Turn to someone and say, you've got some issues. Go ahead and tell them. You've always wanted to. Now's your chance. Just tell them. You've got some issues. But don't tell them what you think their issues are. Just say that. That's your, let's start from there. First step. Listen, we need people to help us walk through our lives. Guys, I've got issues. I do. You're like, well, we know that, Jason. We've already known. But I do. I have issues in my life that I'm still working out. I'm still growing. I'm still finding freedom in areas of my life. But the, the third one is this that we're going to talk about today is, again, the third promise that he will redeem us. In other words, you will discover your purpose. One survey said that 87% of church people, the body of Christ, you and me, will never experience what it means to discover your purpose. You'll never experience it. And this is about you being restored back to your original intent. Why did God create you? This is this, the word out of Exodus, and we find it in Colossians. We find it in Ephesians. This whole idea that God will redeem you. He will restore the, his plan for your life. And you might be, it, your life might sound like this. I, I just don't know what God's plan is for my life. I've asked that question before, and I can guarantee you there are some of you here asking the same thing. i got no clue what I'm on this earth to do. But our desire here at the church and my desire is that all of us can discover your purpose so that ultimately you can make a difference, that we will become a part of God's people, his church, and we will make a difference on the face of this planet that moves his kingdom forward. We all want everything that God has for us. Do you want everything that God has for your life? I think you do. That's why you're here. And Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life to the fullest. Another translation says you can have life that is abundant. The abundant life. I want some of that abundant life. And I want to spend my, my life pursuing Jesus' life for me. So today, we're looking at God's desire for you to discover purpose. Him redeeming you and bringing you back to your original intent. And this is God's promise and plan for you. But I will say this, not everyone makes it to this place. Not everyone makes it to the place where you are walking in your purpose on the planet. So why do so few discover their purpose? Because Exodus 6, 6, God says this, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, mighty acts of judgment. I will get you to the place you need to be. That's what he promised us. And I, wanna, I just want to look at a couple definitions of what it means to redeem. And the first one is this, actually to buy back, to repurchase. See, we're all created by God. We're all made by him. As we've heard this morning, God makes us with a plan, with a purpose, with, with, a, with a design. 
that looks like something. And we're, create, we're born with God's Spirit in us. That's what all these children up here today, they were born with God's Spirit in them. And we come to an age of accountability, and all of us go our own way, is what Scripture says. All of us are owned by someone else except for God at some point in our lives, as we, even as a child. And then we end up going or maybe getting off track or wherever it may be, ending up in a dark and a broken and a miserable place. And so God goes to that place and he gets us. He brings us out of Egypt. He brings us out of our slavery. And we, we begin to hopefully discover and find freedom. But he brings us out. He restores us. The second one is this. Second definition means to change us for the better, to reform us. This isn't about being good. I don't want to live my life, oh, I'm okay, I'm good. No, no, no. I want the better life that God has for me. And I want the better life that God has for you. This is about receiving the better life that God has for you. And the third definition is this, to repair or restore to repair or to restore. In other words, bring us back to where God had us. And here's the, here's, here's the deal. The reason why many of us get stuck in this area is because we, we do not see ourselves the way that God sees us. We just don't. Most people think, you know what, I really can't find my purpose. I can't really do anything for God because I'm too broken. I'm too hurting. Mistakes in my life are too much. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. Yes, I'm going to heaven. Amen. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But I'll never really discover my purpose. Because you think you're not good enough. So why do so few not discover purpose? I believe it's from, because of this first one is inferiority. You do not feel Worthy. You feel inferior. Really what it is is you don't see God's greatness in you. You don't understand this whole idea of God knit me together in my mother's womb. You don't understand God had a destiny and a plan before I was born. You, you think, ah, I don't know. about. It. Yeah, he did, but I blew it. I've met some Christians who, whose their whole identity is in how broken they are. Their whole identity is how awful they are. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a sinner. I'm worthless. I'm a worm. Eeyore. That's what, that's what it is. But you need to know something. According to Scripture, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are serving Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, he doesn't call you a sinner anymore. He calls you a saint. That's what he does. And you say this, I, well, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, 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 no. I was a sinner, but after I was saved, I became a saint. My identity has changed. Everything is altered. I, I'm, no longer, I'm no longer calling myself a sinner. I am a saint. Even though I don't always look like a saint, smell like a saint, I'm still a saint. Because you are in Christ, and he has clothed you with his righteousness, not yours. Amen. Also, Scripture says you, you're, you're not the head, you're the tail. You're no longer defined by what your past is. You're defined by what God sees in you, and he can redeem you. David writes that out of Psalm 18. 
He says, he's thinking about God, and he realizes he looks around his life, and he says, man, I don't know how, God, you've ever brought me to this place, but all I know is this, you stooped down to make me great. David didn't say, I came up and and accepted your greatness. No, no, no. God reached down. He grabs us by the collar and the back of our hair, and he pulls us up to greatness. Kicking and screaming. He's like, I don't care. You're going to be great anyway because I redeemed you, and you have a purpose. I battled with this feeling, as a, as, even as a young man, of feeling inferior. It was just part of, part of seems like, my journey. I, was, I always struggled in school. Everyone in my class got better grades than me. Like out of, I grew up in a small school in a country town. And if you come in at the bottom of your class in a country town, you know you got some issues. Out of 32, I, was, I came in right at 32. I really appreciate them pub- publishing where everyone ranked. But anyway, I always struggled with reading. I always struggled with comprehending. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've never been tested. But I have every sign of dyslexia. Every sign. And I struggled. Back then, they didn't know how to test. You were just dumb. That's, what, that's, that's how I felt, how I thought. One of my worst fears in class, I don't know if you guys know this, and I'm sure you teachers who, who understand, one of my worst fears in class is when, during, when we read through a chapter of, of, a, of a book or in a history book or whatever, they would go down the, the rows and you had to read. Man, I, would, I was so scared because I, I did not read like everybody else. It was choppy and weird and I just I couldn't get it I barely squeezed through school I mean barely by the skin of my teeth like whoo I passed like d minus hallelujah <laughs> high-fiving but I always thought everyone's smarter than me but I will say this God always had a grip of my life I always had the sense that he was with me. I always had the sense that even though I'm struggling, that God can do something with me. I believed it, and, and, and I, walked, I struggled with it. But I never thought, many times, I never thought he could actually do anything because I just didn't have what everyone else. I, ju- I just wasn't smart enough. I just didn't. I, I couldn't be it. I have to be honest with you. I've never done anything that I felt like, yep, I'm ready to do this ever in my life. I've always, by faith, had to say, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Always by faith, I've had to say, God, in my weakness, I believe your power can be made perfect. I've always believed. And when I, wherever I come short, he is more than enough for me. That he is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Not just, just, not just financially. He's my provider. giving me what I need in the midst of what I don't have. And I've walked that out. I've done my best to do it. And so instead of, instead of, for me, instead of looking at myself of what I don't, I just look at God of what he has for me. He has everything for me. And yes, over the years, I've, I've just had to figure out how to read. And I went to Bible college and had to figure out. How to, I didn't want to fail Bible college. That just wouldn't be good. I just had to figure it out. I was slower than everybody, but it didn't matter. But I've, I've, I've never stepped into something that I felt like, man, I'm ready for this. 
I've, I've got what it takes. Even when I was, uh, I had an opportunity, I, I used to be the, the worship leader here at Faith Bible Chapel, actually, several years ago, and, and I, I would lead, and, and I got an opportunity to, to lead for this men's group called Promise Keepers. I know many of you have heard about it. At that time, there, were, there was a, you know, still quite a few people at events of fifteen to, to 20,000, and, um, and, and so I decided, they asked me to do it, I said, yes, I'll do it, so I show up at rehearsal, and uh, you know, I got my guitar, and, and I show up in this room full of Nashville professional musicians which I am not one of those. And these guys, they were so brilliant. They were so quick, man, at learning music and the, the cues. I mean, they were, it's what they did. And, and, you know, I'm telling these guys, like one of the guys comes to this massive musical family. He'd, he'd record all this other stuff. His dad was the drummer for Phil Collins. And so he grew up just, this is what he was. I mean, he could just play the guitar like nobody's business. One of the other guitar players, he still actually plays with, he tours with her, with, tours with Carrie Underwood. I played with him. And I mean, this dude, the dude's awesome. He's, he's He's known all around the world for what I think it's called like gypsy jazz, how he plays it. It's amazing. One of the other guys, the major producer, and he was a music director. The other guy was this bass player, and he's played on all these records. Where he played really funky Latino and kind of stuff. The drummer, I mean, the, played for Brooks and Dunn. I mean, these guys were the top. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, and hi, I'm Jason. I sing at church. That's, that's all I had. <laughs> and I remember, man, I, these guys were, they were flying around me. And I was just faking it, man, trying to make it and try to, well, I'm leading some of the songs. And so the night, and I'll be honest with you, I was freaked out. I was way out of my league. I'm not saying that to be humble. No, I was out of my league. <laughs> The night before, um, we were doing our first event, Promise Keepers event. I know many of you have been there, and, and it's such, I, because I honor the Lord and what he does and through ministry, I, I, I felt like, man, I, I can't blow this. I don't want to blow it for these men. And I remember I called my wife, and I said, babe, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to leave these songs. I'm not ready. To, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not I'm like, I can't do it. I'll just tell them I, I just can't do it. And I was battling with, with feeling inferior. I remember she just encouraged me on the phone. She said, well, listen, it doesn't matter what you're not. God gave you the opportunity. You can step through, be a fool for him, or let him use you, you know. Appreciate that, Cheryl. Are you so good? <laughs> she just encouraged me. I remember I stepped out on the stage, and I was scared to death. And I began to lead worship. And I felt God's presence and grace come all over me. I didn't walk out there knowing what to do. I walked out there trusting God would help me to know what to do. And he did it. And God's presence showed up. And men were worshiping God. And, the, and it was amazing. And I realized God saw something in me that I couldn't see myself. And most of the time we live our lives believing an identity that is actually not ours. It's what we think we are. It's not what God thinks you are. Because God's word says this. If I am in Christ, no matter what you're facing, I am more than a conqueror. More than, more than a conqueror. I thought you'd just be a conqueror. No, no, no. You are more than a conqueror. If you're in Christ, that God has not given me the spirit of fear 
God's not giving me the spirit of intimidation, but of power and love and a sound mind that he can do with me what he wants to do because I access what he has, not what I don't have. Because you are not who you say you are. You are not who others say you are. You are who God says that you are. He purchased you with his own blood. Therefore, he has the right to call you whatever he wants. And he calls you to be his people. To discover your purpose. So many people live their lives looking through the rearview mirror. Looking, you're going forward, but you're just staring in the rearview mirror. That is a recipe for a disaster. Maybe you came here this morning and you thought, you know what, I need God. I'm going to press into God and I'm going to worship God. And, and then all of a sudden you were reminded of everything you weren't, the mistakes you made this week. And you just put your hands back in your pocket and you said, no, you're right. I'm just going to stay right here. And the enemy keeps telling you things that keep you inferior. I want you to look how God sees you. If that's you today, and really for all of us today, because all of us have areas of inferiority that we deal with, but I, I, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. This is what God says about you, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. In other words, redeemed us. He's created us anew. In Christ Jesus, so we can do, so why? So that we can do good things. He planned for us long ago. We can do good things that he planned for us long ago. This is, this is amazing to me because it means that God created me with a purpose. He created me with, with a plan, and he, he made us anew in Christ. When you came to Jesus, you begin to access that plan. Some of you here have thought this, you know, I, I wanted to do this. I, I, I feel strong. Some of you here thought I've always wanted to be a worship leader, but I, I've, I've, I got off course, and I'll never do it. Remember, in Christ, in Christ, he makes you brand new, he redeems you so you can do the good things that he planned for you to do from the beginning. No matter what that is. God sees something in you that you don't even see in yourself. Listen to what God says about you. Listen to what God says about his purposes. Follow his ways, his plan, and you will discover your purpose. This is this amazing thing that through Jesus Christ, he takes us out of slavery. He frees you from slavery. He puts you in relationships with one another. And you begin to walk in your freedom. And he reaches down and he pulls you up because he sees greatness in you. Listen, God doesn't make trash. He doesn't make it. God doesn't make second-class citizens or second-class Christians. When you are redeemed... You, he makes you a saint, and he redeems you and brings you back to why he created you. Je just as Jesus and God has a plan for you, the devil has a plan for you as well. Did you know he keeps you from discovering your purpose? He keeps you from walking out God's plan in your life. He keeps you stuck in your spiritual journey, which I talked about in the beginning. And one of the main, main ways he does that is through what's called diversion. He diverts you. This is the part. Now listen, this is a part of your story that you never planned. This is a part of your story that you just, you, you wish it wasn't there, but you lived it. And you know this is not God's plan for my life. 
And here's the deal. The devil is the author of this diversion. Even, you can get diverted with bad things. Yeah, you can get diverted with good things as well. But the bad things are normally your tragedy, something that has wounded you. Maybe you were hurt by a church leader. You were hurt by a parent. You were hurt by a family member. You were hurt by a boss. Tragedy happened. Sickness happened. And it, and, and you, it hurt you and it got you off course. Success can actually be a diversion. Where you focus on your career, you get out of balance, where you put your time, your money, your energy, your attention, and you get diverted. Now listen, you might think, well, the devil can't, the devil can't divert me. No, 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 not me. Well, I, I want you to hear from the Apostle Paul out of 1 Thessalonians. He says this, we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again. But Satan prevented us. This, this word prevented just means it, Satan impeded my progress. And that's what Satan's purpose for your life is to impede your progress so that you will not move forward in your relationship with God and make a difference with your life. So when it comes to these things, also, it's important you understand, Satan, Satan cannot come down and slap you in the face. He can't harm you physically, but, it, but what he can do is he can put things in your pathway. And when you come to those different things, instead of overcoming them, and instead of, instead of like pressing in, what happens is you take a different path. You get diverted along the way. You, has anyone ever here been diverted? I'm just double, are, are you with me this morning? You ever been, I've been diverted. You get diverted along the way. But I want you to hear this. No matter how far you've gone, no matter where you've been diverted, no matter what's happened in your life, God can get you back where you need to be when you need to be there. It may take you a little longer. You might have to go around the mountain another day. This is what I do know. Out of Romans 8, Scripture says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Just in this scripture helps us see that not everything is always going to be good. But what we do know about a loving God who has a purpose for your life, that he causes everything to work together for your good, for those who love them, for those who are in Christ Jesus and are called according to his purposes for, for them. There's this word purpose again. So no matter where you are, no matter where you've been diverted, no matter how off course you think you are, my, my God and your God can make sure and can use your hurts, your pain, your diversions, your brokenness, your mistakes. He can use them and will use them for the good of those who love him so that you can discover your purpose and ultimately you can make a difference. God's call and gift. You might be thinking, that's ridiculous, Jason. I've gone too far. Well, Scripture says that God's call on your life is irrevocable. In other words, God never changes his mind about you, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been. He doesn't change his mind. Well, I, you know, they were birthed with, with a purpose, but not anymore. They're gone now. No, no, he never changes his mind. It's irrevocable. He refuses to change his mind about you. And that's an amazing God that we serve. So discovering purpose, how do we do that? What is it? How do we then understand who we are and how do we get back to the place? Well, Because Romans 12, 6 says this. We have different gifts 
according to the grace given to us. This scripture was, yes, it was written about spiritual gifts, but also written about very practical gifts that's in each and every one of us, that God's, God set in us gifts. What this means is that there is a divine element to your gifting, how God made you, how he put you together, that you have a peace, you, that you have a joy to do things that would probably be more difficult for others to do. There's a gift in you because God has given you the grace because you feel God's pleasure. Like for me, I, I'm, I, am, I sense God's pleasure when, when I have the opportunity of preaching his word to you. Week after week, I sense God's pleasure. I, seriously, I should, be, I should be paying the church to give me the opportunity to do this. I love it. And it, yes, there are difficulties, and yeah, there's difficulty in, in, in pastoring sometimes, walking through difficult decisions and criticism that you get maybe for some decisions you make. But, but I feel God's grace to continue to move forward, continue to preach, continue to lead. It's God's grace. It's a gifting he's put in me. And I'm surrounded also with other leaders who have giftings that I don't have. And so it helps our church and balances us out. Listen, our children's workers, you have to have a special kind of grace. You work with these kids. Instead of duct taping them to a, to a chair, you say, I love you. Isn't he, isn't he the sweetest kid? And someone else is like, oh, man, I wish they'd stick them in the corner somewhere. Because God's given you a grace to love children. You enjoy it. It makes you happy. Now listen, if you get angry when you serve in our children's ministry, we should probably find another ministry for you. And we're happy to do that. Our ushers who serve us week after week, God's given them a grace to come early and to pray together and to serve and pass things and help us serve communion. Our small group leaders, they have a grace to, to work with people and to lead them and just to, or just to host something in their home. There's a, there's a grace about it. You feel good about doing what you're doing. Some of you have a great desire to help the poor, to play music or to lead or to serve or to, God's given you a gift in business or in strategy, and you're good at something. Why? Why? What is this gifting he's put in you? God put that in you. God put that gift in you. That's for you to use for his purposes and his glory. Something always to remember is that God did not create you, listen to this, just to study the Bible, just to study st- certain topics, just to listen to sermons and watch DVDs about, about other people's sermons or to watch YouTube videos about everything. And that's not why he created you. He didn't create you to come to church every night of the week. He made you to give something, to do something, to walk out your purpose. God created you for your purpose to look like something on this earth and to move his kingdom forward. God wants you to step into a place Well, you say, I know why I'm on this planet. I get it. I know why I'm here. I'm a part of something. I'm a part of this church body that's moving forward, that's changing, that's reaching the lost, that's bringing deliverance to people, that's hosting small groups. I'm a part of what God is doing in this body, and I'm making a difference with my gift. That was the place for you to say amen. Okay, good. So how do you do it? Three quick things. The one is you need to discover your gift. This isn't the only way, but, I, but uh, I love to see this happen in people's life because I've been on a journey of discovering my gifts, leaning into God's grace. Not, not leaning into what I'm not, but leaning into what he gives me the pleasure to do. Simple things. 
Embrace how God has made you. Somewhere in your design, I want you to hear this, somewhere in your design, you will discover your destiny. Why God made you. Most of us spend all of our lives wanting to be like somebody else. If only I was like that. If only I could do this. If only, and, we, and we're distracted. We need to take some time and say, God, how did you make me? God has something for you to do. He made you first. Sorry, he, he had a purpose first, then he made you. Some people think you were made, and then God was like, what am I going to do with this person? It's the other way around. He had a purpose for you, then he made you. So since he had things for you to do in mind when he made you, he gave you the ability to do those things. And I believe God delights in giving you, giving you supernatural ability when you do not have the natural ability. I think he loves it because he, 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 he just likes to just freak people out. He likes to use people that other people say God will never use. That's just how he is. He likes to take 12 just, just fishermen and, and just bottom of the barrel type people, normal folks, and make them flip the world upside down. He likes to use people like Jason in the book of Acts. That he, the, the problem with Jason, it says this, he was turning the world upside down. That's what they said. I want to be known like that, Jason. I turned the world upside down. Psalm 139 says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you. David says, thank you for making me so wonderful and complex. In other words, there are gifts inside of you. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. It's like David was looking at himself in the mirror and said, boy, ain't you something. He understood. He embraced who God had made them. Stop looking at what you're not. My friends, listen to me. Stop looking at what you're not and start embracing what you are in Christ. The key to your destiny is God. You, you, you cannot find your destiny through your career, through your education, through your success. Those are great, and God can use them. But without God, without God, who is your designer, those will never have any purpose. I love how this reads out of Ephesians chapter 1, the message. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. I love, he had his eye on us. He had designs for you, on us, for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose. He is working out in everything and to everyone. Colossians 1.16 says this as well. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Your purpose can only be found when you get close to God, when you know God, when you begin to discover, find freedom. But you don't, don't stay there. Don't let your, you finding freedom become your identity. After you discover your gift, you need to develop it then. Number two. Because once you discover your gift, it's not developed. We're all going to spend the rest of our lives developing how God has made us. This is a this is the purpose of the church, according to Scripture. This is the purpose of pastors like me, according to Scripture. 
One of the most well-known scriptures that really gives me my, my job description is out of Ephesians 4. But this is, this is just the nature and design of the church. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. In other words, there's, some, there's a gift in each one of you. Each one of not some, each and every one of you, to do something, to have an impact on the world. It's, it's a gift. It's, been, it's, it's a grace that's been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? Why did he give them? To equip his people for works of service. Your gifting looks like something. It moves something forward. I'm happy. I, I'm, I'm really excited to be a pastor, be able to teach and, and help you discover. But the reality is this for me, is that I can't do everything that's needed to be done. That's, that's not my job. That, how, how sad would the church be you have professional Christians? You have people who are paid to be good. I guess the other side would be then you're paid, what, you're, or you're good for nothing actually is what that means. So for some reason, we've, we've, we've made Christianity, you have the special paid people, and then you have everyone else. That's not in the Bible anywhere. We're all called to be priests. We're all called to be saints. We're all called to have an impact, and we do that together as we move forward. We need to develop our gifts, and it's important that we develop them. Listen, God has not given me the gifts to do things that are needed. God's not given some of the other pastors and the other leaders the gifts to do. Yes, that's what he's asked us to do. This is what we're doing now. But there is a grace and a gift that's given just as Christ has apportioned it to every person on the planet for us to do something together. Something that's very important. One, your faith looks like something. I'm not talking about internally. I'm talking about externally. It looks like something. And church was never created. You look at the book of Acts. The church was never created to be a buffet that you come and you eat and you eat and you eat and then you go home and you take a nap because you ate too much and then you come back and you do it again and then you demand you want more selection, you want chicken wings, you want macaroni salad. Wait, come on. So you can eat and eat and eat and then go home and take a nap and never make a difference. How sad. Church is a place where we are equipped that we can work together to make a difference together as a church family. Our desire here at the church is to create a process that helps you do this so we don't get stuck along the way. I've been stuck along the way. Many of us have been stuck along the way. This is why we're launching what we're calling a growth track. We try to make it as simple as possible. Step one, two, three, and four happen on the first, second, third, and fourth Sunday. You want to take step one this month and take step two next month, that's fine. You want to wait, if you want to take four months to do it, you want to take six months to do it, it doesn't matter. But it's important that we all walk together and walk through this. If you're interested in that, we're, we're launching that in September. Now, we don't have, actually, we're pretty full right now. So, next month, okay? October. But here's the deal. On week three, when we, in our growth check, you're going to get a personality test. Find out what's called a personality profile. How did God make you? 
And you're going to read this and go, yeah, I've been trying to say that about myself the whole time. This gives it in good language. I understand that. Or you're going to get a spiritual gifts test to show how did God make you and help you discover that. And you're going you're gonna to discover your design, which will help you discover your destiny. This, this, these classes are going to help us and help those who take them see the big picture get, picture, get us fired up about our faith and our gifting and us walk together so that ultimately you can make a difference and we can make a difference together. And the third and last thing is this. How do you discover purpose? It's one, you just need to use your gift. There's no better way to live your life than to discover your gifting then use it in a way that makes a difference. Even when life isn't perfect, you can know in your heart that you're using who God made you and you can feel the satisfaction. Your life doesn't have to be perfect to make a difference. You might have struggles in your life and you can lay your head at night and say, yes, these things are still going on. Yes, I, I'm still believing God for X, Y, and Z. But you can lay your head and be like, man, but I use my gift to make a difference. And you will feel God's grace in a way that you never did. Using your gift to serve other people. This is what life is all about. Peter says this. And I want you to hear this. Just, just hang with me. Just, look, just look, look at me just for a moment. I want you to hear what Peter said about people who are using their gifts. He says, God has given gifts to each one of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. This is what he tells us. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. You cannot manage your gift if you're not using it. I believe that's what the manage means. Use it so that God's generosity, in other words, God's name can be praised and can flow through you. You can make a difference. Man, I, I want to honor three, over 350 volunteers that help us here at the church equip, reach the lost, serve the poor and needy. Help us do service together. Those who run cameras and ushers and the children's workers and the youth workers, the adult Sunday school workers, our greeters, the women's ministry, the men's ministry, the parking lot. Did you guys notice the, a person helping you park today? People help serve our widows and the worship team, our security team, our growth track volunteers, our volunteers in the kitchen, volunteers in small groups prison ministry leaders, our drama that people meet. Listen, you, and you give and you give, and I want you to know something. You're using your gift to make a difference. People's lives are being changed, and we're doing it together. And you use your gift when you leave from here, and people's lives are being changed, and we're doing it together. But for all of you here today that you're not serving, I, I would love for all of us to worship at one service and serve at another service. Yeah, we couldn't do it all every Sunday. You couldn't serve every Sunday because we'd have to stagger them. But I'd love for all of us to be together. That's just in, just, that's just in the church. There are many other things outside of the church that you could use your gifting at. But if you're giving of your gift, if you're serving for others, as Peter just said, the Word of God has something to say to you out of Hebrews 6, 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him 
as you have helped who? His people and continue to help them. There are times that any person can get discouraged. I know it's reality. I know our our staff here at the church. They've been through a lot in the last couple of years. They're good things. The transition's difficult and new leaders and who's this guy, Jason, and all the kinds of stuff. I'd struggle with me too. But they've pressed through. They've, they're using their gifts. I've seen many of you continue to serve as changes are happening at the church. But, but you overlook what you need. And you are using your gifts to help other people come closer to know God. You've discerned in your heart, God's doing something fresh and new. And I'm going to be a part of it. Well, this is what Hebrews says. We can put that verse back up there again. Hebrews says this. God he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Your purpose is to serve God by serving others. I know that's, that, that's not the American way, but that's God's way. Your gift to serve others or is your gift is to serve God by serving others and I know God is stirring something here God wants you to discover purpose and it's a great honor for all of us together to be discovering what that is there's no age limit on discovering purpose that may change and look different depending on the season you're in I get all of that but all I know is this God's not unjust he will not forget your work and the love. Notice he just doesn't say work. Because anybody can work with a bad attitude. Anybody can serve with, with nastiness up in their heart. Anybody be, can, can be cranky and critical. No, 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 no. You work. And the love that you have shown him. As you have helped his people. This is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to be. And I believe this is what God is calling each of us. And He wants you to discover your purpose. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.